1: plushcare.com slash
2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Loose Ends, a loose unit spin-off for people trapped in the quarantine. And whilst in some states the quarantine, you know, is, is loosening a little bit, I honestly think we are going to be suffering from, you know, various restrictions and just all sorts of cabin fever for quite a while. So we're going to just keep doing Loose Ends, if that's okay with all you listeners.
1: That's okay um, with me, Paul.
2: I can tell. Dad Mm. and I have been really enjoying Loose Ends and we've also really loved the fact that it's given us a chance to, you know, like go into some very strange, unique areas and answer some of your questions. And Dad, I have a question here from a listener, which Mm. I think you might really, really like. Now, just to preface this, Dad, how long have you been an antique dealer?
1: Oh, I started in 1981.
2: 1981, okay. So, that would imply that you started, when you say you started in 1981, does that mean you started illegally diving and stealing antique bottles from the ocean floor in 1981?
1: the bottle diving, um, but I became obsessed with bottle bottle diving. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess the listeners probably know me well enough to know that um, I don't do anything by halves. No, you don't. Um, You're an absolutist. Although, funnily enough, if you get two halves, that makes a whole. I've got a new seat. I'm sitting on a new A new chair uh, because you mentioned antiques and, um, you know, I'm still dealing in antiques and I was at an estate just a few days ago and they had a pianola with a roll that goes, anyway, people of a certain age will know what a pianola is, people over 90. And I said, they said, would would you like to buy the pianola? Uh And I said, no, I'm not interested, but I, I like the pianola chair or stool. Yeah. So um I acquired the stool and I'm sitting on it.
2: Great. Which is okay. Exciting. Can, can we maybe get like a little bit of that stool um just to show people like a like a stool sample?
1: Um I'll I'll send a photo. That was a joke. I totally got it because I've just done the cancer test. What do you mean? There's a test men over I think it's over 50 or whatever.
2: Oh, your prostate.
1: Um well, it's something to do with that and elbow and deep. I had, and I had to uh get a s- <laughs> God, I had to get a sample. Sure. The All listeners right. don't want to know about this.
2: No, I think, honestly, our listeners run the gamut from not interested in, in your butt to extremely, mm. maybe too interested in your bottom. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to roll into a question from a listener, which is the question that kind of spurred this whole cul-de-sac of conversation. And the question is as follows. In his time as an antique dealer or a cop, What is the most random thing John found hidden in a safe place by someone who had completely forgotten they stashed it there? For example, we are moving my great aunt into an assisted living facility and in clearing out her house, we found literally tens of thousands of dollars hidden in various places. We dropped off some stuff at the salvos and they later called us back saying they had found $10,000 in the inside slash hidden pocket of her coat.
1: What a wonderful story. And how nice are the salvos? Because yeah, they could have just pocketed that money, couldn't they?
2: Because, like, tuber refurbishment does, you know, those, those tubers ain't going to clean themselves. But, Dad, what's the... um Do you have any killer stories about well, finding...
1: Well, I do. Okay. Well, oh, yes. I've got a great story. Great. I purchased a chest of drawers. Now, the weird thing is I'd gone into partnership. So, I'd been dealing in antiques for probably 25, 30 years. Okay. And for some weird reason, I decided I wanted a business partner. And I've had a few business partners over the years and... Generally, the partnerships are not great. But on this particular occasion, I dealt with uh, a deceased estate. Yep. And there were no known relatives.
2: Okay. And just to be clear, just for those who don't know, I'm sure everyone does, but a deceased estate is when you buy all of the things that were left behind after the passing of somebody, right? Correct. Yep. And typically, who is who is the person selling that stuff? Is it family members? Is it like a... Is It a? It is can it be
1: a-, a law firm in this particular ah, case. It can be the okay. public trustee. They okay. generally deal with auctions. Um but on this particular occasion, I was dealing with um, the executor of a state with no known relatives. And okay. um, look, I've, I've been to estates. I God, this opens up a can of something or other. Because <laughs> there are so many, many, many stories that just f- are rushing into my head as I speak.
2: We had a listener come up to us after our live Sydney show at the now closed Giant Dwarf Theatre. And she basically barreled us and said, you need to do a podcast series about
1: John's time as an antiques dealer. Mm. And let
2: me tell you something. Th- Dad's the story's a legend. Is now, but- no,
1: there are so <laughs> many. But but bear in mind that I'm still dealing in antiques.
2: Yeah, yeah it's, it's, like it's ongoing. Like to this very day.
1: In fact, um, I picked up a really, really good estate just a few days ago, a fantastic estate and some of the gear in there. But that's a whole... A whole podcast just on that's a whole episode just on what I bought just a few days ago, sure. So, back to this story, I'd in a crazy weird way, um, I'd developed a like a business relationship with this guy. He actually, um, he ran an auction house, and yes. um, I thought it was a good sort of fit. The two of us, we mm-hmm. both had different things to bring to the uh, to the party, yeah. But the partnership is that, um, you know, I thought it was a good mix, and he'd only been my business partner for a week, mm-hmm. and we went to this estate. Uh, in fact he wasn't even my business partner I purchased this uh, stuff from an estate and then we went into then we sort of ratified and formalized the partnership we bought some stuff I brought him in on the deal and this was the first deal between the partnership and then we get to the uh, we get to the auction house where we dropped off a whole lot of gear and uh, there was a chest of drawers probably from about 1870 mm-hmm. mahogany Scottish this particular one. And it was on the dock to this auction house, and we're just about to say goodbye to it. And he's sort of doing something, uh, some associated paperwork. And I just had this weird feeling. Have you heard this story? No, no, I've not. I had not. this weird, weird feeling, and it was—I've had a lot of feelings over the years to do with when you're dealing with people's stuff, particularly stuff that's got a lot of history. And there'll be people straight up that just go, "Well, that's all bullshit," but whatever. And I had this weird feeling, and I just had this desire to check the drawers once more because you always check the drawers. Yeah. And there was this. Quite often the chests of drawers from the mid to late 19th century, particularly uh, British, i.e. Welsh, Scottish, um, English, they had concealed and secret drawers. And this particular one had a secret drawer. And I just sort of checked inside and I pulled out a... Um, this is all based on a gut feeling. Nothing really driving me except this sensation that, shit, just shit you better just check this chest. And there was a small black drawstring bag and I pulled it out and inside it was a um, a cognac diamond, about one and a half carats that had been hidden there.
2: How much would that go for?
1: Oh, it was worth a fair bit of money, and I I could have just put the um, the little drawstring bag in my pocket because, remember, I've just gone into partnership hours before. Yeah. Imagine if I hadn't have gone into partnership. That would have rightfully been mine, and I could yeah. have put it in my pocket, but I thought, oh, he's now my business partner. I went and showed him, and I wanted to give it to Christine, your mother. Yeah. So I said, well, let's get it valued. And he um, did something that kind of pretty well terminated the business relationship fairly quickly. He got his sister to value the uh, the ring. She gave it a massive valuation. I gave him half of her valuation in cash. Uh, and then later on, I realized that, you know, I would probably paid too much. Um, considering I'd found it. But anyway, and then I gave the ring to uh, Christine. Does she still have it? Uh, No. (laughs) That's why basically you and your siblings and also Christine um, sort of have a bit of um, an aversion to getting attached to things because if you're dealing in antiques, um, you know, things tend to... Well, everything's got a price, basically. There are very I've, few things, you know.
2: Dad, I don't have an aversion to get No, you're the
1: opposite, to. Paul. You're a hoarder. I'm not a excellence. hoarder.
2: No, I have six things more than you. The fact is that you have three books on minimalism, as you pointed out, which is, you know, two books too many. But one of the great things about the question was, have you ever come across, you know, valuables that have been hidden, you know, away during your time as a cop did you ever encounter these little like hidden you know secret stashes as a police officer
1: well you you and the listeners may re- or hopefully will recall in your first book i believe where i went to that particularly gruesome deceased and the body was obviously in the bed rotting when i was with a sergeant from mossman do you recall this story and he got me to go and check all the all the books in yes. the library to yep. turn every book upside down and fan it because he knew that many many people had uh, had concealed money yeah, in in the books and uh, and that was one, part of the brief was to go through and just check and make sure there was no money hidden. But you didn't find anything, did you? No, I didn't find anything but that showed me that, that in the past it. they obviously have found things. And and look, I've bought many, I've bought thousands and I have bought thousands, thousands of estates over 40 years. Mm. Uh, you know that I've dealt in antiques for a long time and you've seen, I mean, we had two shops, two antique shops. Yeah. And I've been wholesaling in antiques now for, more than 20 years um and occasionally you do find incredible things i bought an estate six months ago where there was something there was some amazing stuff that was concealed and it was a very complicated estate where the family had moved back to china of all places and um i was dealing with a distant relative and you know i did sort of sometimes i've done blind quotes not where i'm blind but where you go into um i do a lot of storage facilities and they've got these mm. shows in america you know where they go in and they they have these auctions but you can't go in and actually look at anything. And I've done I've done more than a hundred um estates where things are in storage and they open up the roller door and you can't actually physically see because it's 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 like a compressed cube or rectangular prism of stuff. And they go, Okay, we want this cleared, what will you give us for it? And I go, well and and you're sort of trying to peer in and get a sense of what there is. I bought an estate a few years ago and it was a bit, I think it was a bit of a, bit of a scam. And I was, I sort of, I got sucked in and I, I had to buy the contents of a garage that had been rented. And the stuff at the front of the garage looked pretty good. And by the time I'd worked my way through, there were, there was furniture in this uh, storage facility that had been burnt. There were rotten mattresses. There were sheets of broken glass. It was a complete utter bun fight and i had a legal um, obligation to get rid of the entire contents i ended up getting in two skip trucks and each truck had two guys so i had to pay two trucks four guys plus the tip fees and there was some really rancid stuff uh like rotting stuff (sighs) and i i I lost out big time no dead
2: bodies or anything nothing no no
1: no 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 dead bodies, but um, conversely, I've had estates where um, I bought a vase um, a few months ago, and hidden in the vase was a little box, and inside the box was, was a little bag, and inside the bag were some American 1870, $20 um, coins that are pure gold.
2: $20 coins?
1: Uh, yeah, From they're called the Double Eagle. Oh, okay. Uh, and they're worth about, I don't know, three grand each. So you can be lucky.
2: Have oh. you ever had crime and antiques kind of co-mingle post the police force?
1: Um, you remember the one about the lady that uh, she was the matron of the hospital in in Greenwich, and mm. you know she, her, she, that incre- that amazing story where I thought, and that's the, the genesis of the anal thermometer story.
2: Oh yeah, 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 of course. And
1: I uh, I was in my how old was I? I was late twenties. Yep. And I remember going to that scene in forensics and you know, you know, that every, everyone knows the story where I had to sort of make my way. It was terrible, but I, yeah. I do, I think I made mention, uh, that there was some exceptional antique furniture uh-huh. in that place. And if I was, um, less honest with my knowledge, I, I could, um, I could have done really, really well. A friend of mine who was, an auctioneer in Sydney he had to go out to a suburb way way out west and he dealt with he was there representing a, a major Sydney auction house and this is an amazing story and i don't think i've told you where it was a couple and they had dogs and they died and the dogs ate them have i told you this story no jesus christ yeah and they had they were picnickers and they they were starving and as the two bodies these were both macquarie street specialists. They were doctors, husband and wife. They lived in a historic house oh. in a suburb way out west. It was a, a murder-suicide. And bearing in mind, I wasn't in the police force, I'd left. But This is an antique story. See, this is what happens. You, you mentioned antiques. So they were decomposing for some weeks. Uh, they lived in a historic house. So it was on a property. So there was no sort of, there was no, um, you know, there was no one around to smell uh no they, f- they were fairly uh reclusive,
2: how long does it take a body to smell after it's
1: oh well, it depends on the time of the year, oh, but okay. if it's summer and they become fly blown um you know the maggots get into the uh the crevices and the mouth and the nose and the eyes and the ears and the rectum and the you know the pubic region and between the toes and they slowly d- begin to do their their job and obviously if it's if it's if, if it's hot and I can't say whether it was hot or cold because I wasn't told. But my good friend explained to me the entire story in, in minute detail. And um, they, the dogs were, no one was, was there to feed the dogs. So the dogs did what what dogs do. And, and they, they ended had. up eating their owners. Jesus. Which is pretty good. And then um, what happened was my, my good friend, he went in as a representative of the public trustee. And the public trustee is an organization that decides uh, how to um, dispose of estates because let's face it, Paul, there are people in this world that have no known relatives and some of them are incredibly wealthy Yeah, and they die. What do you think happens to all the possessions and the, and, and the house and the cars and the Mercedes, everything? Oh, what happens was, to it, it goes back to the oh, state. Right. Okay, and, and, and there are big auction houses that are brought in. They have, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure whether they tender for this process, but this particular auction house, which was uh, one of Sydney's leading auction houses, my good friend was the head of the what's called decorative arts department and he went out there believe believe it or not there is there's a i mean if if the story is not pretty good so far well then my this is the next part that's pretty amazing my good friend was sitting in a um in the bedroom and he was uh compiling a list of furniture and rugs and paintings really beautiful stuff yeah and there were two they were either employees of the public trustee or they perhaps were lawyers but the two lawyers he overheard them in the next room and they were dividing up the coin collection all the good stuff pocketing 50 50 oh you take that yeah you take that they were stealing while my mate was in the next room representing uh, uh, one of the biggest auction houses in australia i mean i don't know whether that auction house down the track put a report in uh, that i don't know because i didn't ask uh, but the story is fascinating and my, my point again is that i mean what about that time when i went to the um the hanging and remember that, Uh and the family alleged that the person before they'd hung themselves had got, you know, $100,000 and just spread it all around the house. And they had done that because a neighbour had actually peered through the window and seen, could hardly see the floor for, for Australian for currency. Yeah, yeah. And then when I rock up to, uh you know, we when we cut the body down and got into all the, uh you know, the, the crime scene stuff... <laughs> I mean, I don't think I even went into the house from memory, but I, that's the first time I ever ended up in internal affairs, right? Which is a frightening experience, being being examined by two very senior, frightening guys uh, about you know where's the money. So obviously, and there are so many cases. Not, not. I don't know. I can't speak for now. But back in the eighties, it was it was on for young and old. I mean, it was not uncommon for you know, things to happen with cash. Obviously,
2: yeah, Dad. There was a little thing that you and I wanted to just quickly address before we wrap this episode up. Just real quick, in the last episode of the show called Backburning, mm. uh, you were talking about backburning. Mm. Uh, we should but- have
1: changed. it. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah. 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 You know, we've had a few people write in, and they are 100 percent right. It mm. should have been called the whole uh, the title of that show should have been called Hazard Reduction. So Hazard Reduction for all the listeners is where Um, they've been doing hazard reduction in Sydney over the last 48 hours Mm. um, where the the climate's right ironically it's now raining but we had a a good sunny break where it was cool no wind and they actually go in there are no bushfires everything's sweet they go in and they they burn the ground they get rid of ground fuel in preparation for the onset of next um, next year's uh, or later this year's potential bushfire season Mm. so that's called hazard reduction where they reduce the the ground fuel, uh, backburning is in a, in an actual frightening, horrendous fire where they're trying to stop the fire coming into, for example, people's houses, and they will actually go in and set up a line of flame, and then that burns back towards uh, the oncoming fire, and that's that's called backburning. So I was one hundred percent inaccurate in my uh, description, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses. Uh, Although one guy did say, you know, a professional firefighter, blah, 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 blah. But uh, uh, this is not an uh, an excuse, but I, I was a professional firefighter more than 20 years ago, but you know, it's, it's it's fine. And I appreciate that the listeners, um, are interested enough to actually, uh, send in some feedback. It's great. And then there was a little bit of feedback about how I called a koala, a koala bear. Mm -hmm. And for that, uh, I was I was wrong, incorrect. And finally, um, I called when when you and I had that bit of a laughing session, which was yeah. really fun, which was, I, I really enjoyed myself and I loved hearing you laugh uncontrollably. It's 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 such a great relief in this oh, COVID nineteen wh- time to laugh. Likewise, likewise. And um, I I kept using the word nut and someone wrote in and said they're actually seeds. <laughs> yep. So, you know, we're dealing with some big issues here. Yeah, it's very uh, important
2: because, Dad, can I just say, you know that if you call a koala a koala bear again, uh, we can't do the show anymore. We'll actually get cancelled. You know no, what? At least d- we're getting some feedback. Dad, you've um, committed a grave ill against the species and I, for one, won't stand for it. You're a piece of shit.
1: Anyway, look, I think the antique stories, um, that's a whole, you know, new thing and we've tied them back quite nicely to to, to crime. And there's, um, a, well,
2: there's a bunch of stories that I've basically grown up with that have an Indiana Jones-esque quality. So if you enjoyed hearing Dad's Antique Stories, and if you want to hear more, do let us know. And also, just quickly, thank you so much for just piling on with the pre-orders for Electric Blue. If you want to pre-order the book and contribute to its, hopefully, bestseller status uh, on the fingers crossed New York Times, then all you have to do is head to penguin.com.au and then search for Electric Blue and then pre-order that way. Or you can just log on to Booktopia or Amazon and grab your copy ahead of time. Or, you know, the best thing you can do, as we've said before, is to basically call your local bookshop and just order a bunch of copies. Or just go, hey, are you getting Electric Blue in? And then if they're not, just, you know, just throw eggs at the shop until they do. I should add, parenthetically, I'm not suggesting you actually throw eggs because eggs are delicious and should be eaten. Dad, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up this episode of Loose Ends?
1: Look, I'm not in the habit of doing sort of requests, but I did get a request, but I don't have the information in front of me. So to the lovely, lovely couple that visited us in Brisbane Brisbane. at the live show, Mm. it's their 15th anniversary. I got the message last night, but it had actually been sent uh, over a week ago, and I felt really bad about that. On my um, Instagram feed yesterday, I posted a photograph of uh, the cliffs at North Head, Mm. and, and, and I just did that because it just seemed like a really, really great photo, and then for people that are not up to this, up to speed with the lo- latest news, but in Sydney, um, there were a lot of gay hate crime um, murders, and one of the most puzzling and unsolved crimes of the last thirty years was where a guy was um, uh, thrown off North Head, and his he and his brother were the were um, the developers of the mathematical codes for AOL, and. There was a million-dollar award issued by the New South Wales government and the police force, and then the brother who's back in America because it was an American guy that this happened to, mm-hmm. um, the brother who's not short of a quid, he doubled the, uh, the reward to $2 million, and they had a breakthrough a few days ago, and they've arrested a guy who lives in Lane Cove. He's in his late 40s, and it's a, it's a very, very uh, sad story. That happened in the, pretty well. They would have walked up the street, Paul, that we lived in on the way up to North Head. Right. And, in fact, they, they would have definitely walked up our street and then into the bushes, and the police didn't believe that it was a hate crime, um, but it's now come to... And, that, and the police are very, very apologetic, as you can imagine. But they've arrested the guy, and how weird was it that I'd posted a photograph of that scene on Instagram, not thinking about... You know, that particular uh, crime that's been solved in the last 48 hours. I think that's just crazy.
0: That's
2: very strange. Yeah. Um, I think that's about all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Ends. Don't forget to tune in first thing next week for a brand new episode of Loose Units. Have a really great weekend, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.
1: Cheerio. Bye-bye.